Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Try to Kill You, the horror comedy podcast that analyzes, appreciates, and totally laughs at any and all horror movies under the sun. I'm Rachel. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Mary. And we are gathered here today in the year of our Lord, 2020, to finally talk about the sequel to the uncomfortably scary creation of Mark Duplass. We are talking about Crete 2. <laughs> I hope y'all couldn't get enough of peach fuzz because here we go again. <laughs> you guys couldn't uh, tell, but I was just pretending to rub my butt on a door. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how long I've been waiting to get into this. Yeah, you've been pitching it since we did the first one, and it was a good pick. We could just look at exactly how many episodes it's been since the first one, and then we would know exactly how long you've <laughs> right. been wanting to do this. <laughs> it was a good pick, though, I think. I just love him. And the show, I'm sure I talked about on the last episode, there's that HBO show that he has, too, where it's not as frightening, but it is as twisted and weird. It's, it's super good. Nice. Oh, God, I just love Mark. Anyway, let's get into our icebreaker for today. So as we know, Joseph, our wonderful, wacky villain, is having a pretty rough time. He's going through, obviously, a midlife crisis. And if the ponytail doesn't give it away, those sandals sure as fuck did. So in that same regard, choose any villain, fictional or not, and reimagine her, him, or it during a similar crisis. That's a great icebreaker. <laughs> oh, man. Mary, do you want to go first? I just keep thinking of Cruella DeVille joining PETA, becoming vegan. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really good. Like, she... She just questions everything she's ever cared about, everything she ever thought was wonderful. She, like, joins CrossFit and becomes one of those, like, really intense vegans. And But 101 Dalmatians was a long time ago. What if she, like, goes completely the opposite way, like you said, and she's the crazy person who formed PETA in the first place? So, yeah, maybe that's her. Maybe she, maybe <laughs> Cruella DeVille founded PETA. After a midlife crisis that caused her to feel incredible guilt and remorse about her puppy murder desires. And she has solar panels on her house. <laughs> she only wears sweats instead of slinky dresses. Okay. I keep thinking of, remember Christian from Midsummer, Mm-hmm. And in like 20 years, this is like an alternate reality, right? Right, he right. realizes that everything Josh said is exactly right. Mm -hmm. He's just but like, who am I? What am I about? Not shit. That's right. You finally thought about what it means to be a human being. Mm -hmm. And then he probably he just like takes up boxing and dieting and stuff. Buys a Ferrari to fill the void. Maybe. Or like a lot of guns. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That sounds like a midlife crisis to me. Yeah. What about you, Rachel? Actually, I really liked coming up with the question, and I've done this before. I'm like, I got so into the question, I can't come up with an answer now. I'm thinking like, all right, little Voldemort. And he's like, well, I'm not going <laughs> to take over the fucking wizarding world. I'm going to start my own like. He gets a lot of plastic surgery. He gets a nose. <laughs> like a nose. <laughs> and he, he like becomes like this like, oh, God, what was his name? He's like a famous like magician, but it's more of like, um, how, what's his name? Chris Angel. Oh, God. <laughs> so he entertains, like, muggles with, like, this, like, magic, like, fake magic, but it's actually real magic. Yes. He gets Fantastic. a trailer with, like, with, He's like, He's the carnies. magician that they hire for Nellie's welcome party in the office. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they all just shit on him until he goes away. 
<laughs> hey, did y'all know that actor is also in Fleabag? Yes, I did. I love him. I love him, too. He was also in Stranger Things. Oh, I didn't recognize him from that. Mm-hmm. But that was a good one. And then I, another one I thought of, but I feel like it's just it's like Angelina Jolie is already doing that. But I was thinking like Maleficent. Mm-hmm. She's just like gives up. And she's like, whatever, fuck this. I'm going to go do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Becomes a baddie, like an Instagram model, like in her 40s mm-hmm. and gets like famous for it. Mm-hmm. And then she gets really into fashion. Mm-hmm. And then she becomes the editor of Vogue. And then boom, Devil Wears Prada. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Meryl Streep. That's that's Maleficent. That is Maleficent. And watch that movie, probably. Got it. Okay. All right. So. Yes. Everyone. We all know it is, well. We know it's <laughs> April 23rd, and Mary Kay's book is available for pre-order. Um, yeah. It comes out very soon. Mary Kay's book. Mary Kay, Mary Kay, talk about it again, again, please. Again? Okay. Um, so by the time y'all are listening to this, it will have come out, which means you can order it anywhere. If we're out of lockdown, then you can go to your independent bookstore and get it there your local one, uh, but you can also get it on Amazon, IndieBound, Barnes & Noble, anywhere. It's America's first female serial killer, Jane Toppin in the making of a monster, and if we're still on lockdown, which I suspect that we will be at this time, because like Rachel said, we're recording April 23rd, if you're still afeard of the virus and you want to also be afeard of your nurse, mm-hmm. this is the book for you. No copycats. Mm-hmm. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's what Rachel thought would be a supportive thing to say before we recorded. She was like, wouldn't it be amazing if your book becomes a hit and then someone reads it and then they start killing? <laughs> and Mary Kay was like, what? No. <laughs> but yeah, get my book. I hope y'all like it. Get the book. Don't kill anybody. Yes. <laughs> Simple instructions. We like horror movies, but we don't encourage the acts in said horror movies. Exactly. Speak for your damn self. (laughs) (laughs) I encourage lots of things that happen in horror movies, just not the bad stuff like running upstairs. Yeah. Right? I encourage going through life with your own theme song. Yes. That I encourage. (laughs) I encourage, you know, teen promiscuity. I encourage... Really, any number of things, just not actually murdering, mm-hmm. not hiding in enclosed spaces, not making fun of the creepy guy and thinking that will not somehow come back to bite you in the ass. Because it will. It, it will. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of the creepy guy. Mm-hmm. The creepy guy. So before we really dive in to it, I just wanted to clear up any confusion because i know in the icebreaker i said joseph as you remember in creep one if you haven't seen it go see it this wacky creepy villain his name is joseph and in creep two he says that his name is aaron which was his victim in creep one and my argument is the whole well when aaron called his sister she referred to her brother as joseph Mm -hmm. so He's constantly taking on different identities, but for the sake of continuity and Mm -hmm. avoiding confusion, during today's discussion, we're going to call him Joseph. Okay. But there there is like a bit of a duality between this self as him as this pretend person, Aaron, but you'll see us go back and forth, but we are going to refer to him as Joseph. So with that said, much different from the first one is that this one... I thought was really funny. <laughs> it definitely had funny parts, but it was still scary yeah. to me. <laughs> I think they were both funny, and I felt like they were, yeah. there was a lot of similarity. I think by virtue of having its its kind of its language already established, had a little bit more room to start playing pretty immediately. Like you could recognize the difference between the funny and the creepy because we already know Joseph a little bit, and we mm. already have some idea of what to expect from him. So, yeah. Right. I did think it was exactly. funny. But at what point from the very start in the movie did you get the idea that this was going to be a more obvious take on it being comedic than it was the last one? 
when he blew a kiss to the camera hidden inside <laughs> baby peach fuzz. Yeah, that was really disturbing still to me. But when he slashes the guy's mm-hmm. throat and the guy puts his head down on the table and he just kind of drops his forearm yeah. over him. Yeah, you mean the assistant who went with Raymond to the Barrel Museum? Yes. That guy. Mm-hmm. I was like, why can't I place him? And then I was like, oh, that's where it is. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He was the honey, the honey pot. The honey pot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought, oh, okay. Funny. Got it. I mean, it was still disturbing. Like, there was still stuff that I was like, oh, no. And I was still very worried for Sarah the whole time. But it was funny. I laughed a lot. It was like a comedy in the way that American Psycho mm-hmm. wants to be a comedy, but without the money. Or without as much money yeah. as Patrick without, Bateman. Well, without the need for it, really, right? Oh, oh, you mean the character? Yeah. Right, right, right. Different yeah. context. Yes. Yeah. Basically. Rachel, did you not know it was going to be funny? Well, the, the first time I watched it, because I loved Creep 1 so much, that uh, a few years ago when my boyfriend at the time started watching it, we didn't know what to expect. And, like, that's the part I was going to reference to also is when he blew the kiss at Peach Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was funny, but Joseph is funny. Like, he's just, mm-hmm. that's just how he acts, you know? But to me, I thought this one was much more focused on some more of the comedic elements. This? To me... The, 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 the. <laughs> Sarah's like, I don't what think are you, you doing? need that. What, with what, your what arms. is, <laughs> what is that? The girls are now doing the motions that he did with the arms, pretending that there was water. The puddle when he was sitting <laughs> in, in the, the dingy ass puddle. He's going to get a yeast advice. infection sitting in he that really puddle. He really is. <laughs> Yeah, because you can see like the the travel of the sun during like the uh-huh. in there for a long time. Yeah, but no, for me it was the whole the whole introduction scene with Sarah when she was there, and then like when he got butt ass naked, and I know we're gonna get into that, but like that's when I was like, okay, this is gonna be a wild ride, and I'm here for it. That scene made me be like, what is what is. What are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? <laughs> we see his dick. It's a it's a, for a it's long kind of a, time. I know it's kind of a big swing, like I, it made me wonder. Watching this movie made me wonder how often Joseph has killed women. We've seen him kill two dudes. Yeah, I so want to say never. two of thirty nine. <laughs> but I was like, man, to go straight to total nudity makes me wonder. Like, we see over and over that he, like, tries to ramp up his his game, right? Like, he starts small, like, pushing and poking and prodding to see how uncomfortable he can make someone and still get them to come back. And to go mm-hmm. straight to full frontal, I was like, what? You were not there ten minutes before his dick was in your face. <laughs> you weren't there ten minutes before his <laughs> dick was in your face. You gotta chase this. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta chase that face dick i i saw so much rachel in that moment me yes i was like this is Why? exactly what rachel would dick? do no I don't because see... you're really intrigued by like when people act strangely and, and not in like a exploitative way but you just like want to know more about why are they yeah, why are I they doing that what they're doing i can't see mary Kay having remained in that situation at no. all and i can't see myself having remained in that situation <laughs> at all i think the exits would have been different i think mary Kay's would have been like a hot nope like yep. book it I, like for fear and i, I think mine would have been, been more of a like my feet <laughs> mine would have been more of a like yeah you know what Nope, I have no, a bunch of excuses you. on deck. Just ma called. The bees are back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, an important document has gone missing. I have to find it, and then just I think leave. The moment <laughs> just leave. that Mary Kay would walk in, and this door is already open, and he sees you, and he's still working on his smoothie. You'd be like, mm, and he always like green smoothie. You'd be like, no, yeah, I gotta. I gotta go. I would not have accepted a smoothie. I would have, when she's in the car, she's like, this is more remote than I thought. I would have turned my ass around. (laughs) Mary Kay wouldn't have gotten there. That's how quickly I would have noped out. 
If he had started ghosting her immediately after giving the address, click, click, she deleted. Yep. Yep. If he had been ghosting me at any point, I would have been like, nope. Yeah. Well, and that's so that's part of what makes this interesting is Sarah specifically. Like, yeah, it's not like she's just a placeholder character for all women. No. She is a really fascinating character. She really is. Also, they took some really smart, like really judicious steps. And I know that they weren't working from a fully fleshed script, right? This is an outline and these mm-hmm. actors are primarily improvising. So it's really tightly done to explain without ever feeling like it was explanation, without ever feeling like it was apologizing or kind of washing over something that happened in the first movie, why a woman would end up in this scenario. Because it's not just, not any woman would have. Sarah does. Right. And Sarah has good reasons for being there. And Sarah has good reasons for choosing to stay. Yeah. And choosing to leave when she tries to. I I also like how she... Because I don't know about y'all, but when she went into the bathroom, I was like, she's going to get out the window. But she instead, like, talks to her audience and she's like, don't worry, I have a knife in my boot. Like, this Mm -hmm. is, I got to do it. I got to do it. Yeah. And I think that if it had been someone who didn't look like Sarah, then I would be like, this bitch is stupid. But she's bigger than him. Like, she looks like she could overpower him. Yeah, well, this, we talked about his size in the first one, too. Because in the first one, we were like, oh, Joseph yeah. is small. And then we had to look it up, and we were like, oh, no, the other guy is just gigantic. Right. Same deal here. Like, Mark Duplass didn't get smaller since the first movie. Right. He's, like, 5'11". Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty tall and pretty capable. And also, she's got a lot of gravitas. Like, this is a she woman does. who's got a yes. lot of, like, a lot of oomph to her mm-hmm. energy. Um, she's so watchable. So, yeah, yeah. She's really fascinating. Oh, my God. And she is just so goddamn sexy. Yeah, she's really beautiful. I, I She's Iranian. I called it. And yeah. then I looked it up and I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the fact that this stars a woman makes a big difference. And the fact that it stars a really capable woman who is deliberately and mindfully putting herself in this situation and navigating it carefully. It makes for a big difference. Like she has a reason to keep pushing mm-hmm. back. Like... In the first movie, Aaron didn't have much motivation besides, like, I want to get the paycheck and get out. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a reason to keep, to try to manipulate Joseph in turn. Right. And she does. That's her entire goal in coming here. Yeah, he asked her to leave and she's like, no. No. I'm going to get in the mm-hmm. bathtub with you, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time for a tubby. I um, love that she had a tubby with him. She took my direction from the first episode. Mm-hmm. She did. Yeah. But to that point, what I thought was also very interesting about her motivation was with Encounters, she even said that she was like, I didn't expect to make any money doing this. Mm -hmm. I just thought I would connect with some weirdos and make something special for them here. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because even though she says things like when he's having that kind of breakdown in the hot tub, she was like, I know he's vulnerable right now and needs his space, but it would be so easy to go in and provoke him to get the material that I need. Yeah. So it's like, there's a little bit of like, yeah, she was trying to make this show to like get viewers. But at the same time, I feel like she is coming from a good place where she is trying to. Well, she, she can't be bought because she is an artist, right? As opposed right. to Aaron who could be jerked yeah. around at the end of a dollar bill. She's not here for the money. She's actually here. Like that is the whole part. Like, getting him to talk, getting him to be mm-hmm. his weird self on camera is the whole point. So she can't be, she can't be played that way. Yeah. She also really leans into when he wants her to be weird to the point that it's really funny. Like we were talking about them both being naked suddenly. Like he's like, he whips that towel off and then mm. he like shifts his weight a whole bunch of times. And I was yeah. like, like why are you like, doing Roman these baby statues? steps? <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't get the reaction he wanted. And then yeah. there's nowhere else to go. He can't take anything else off. How right. do you push that further? And when she like flips it back on him, he is so uncomfortable. Like, that's so not yeah. how he wants this to go. That is supposed to freak her out so that then he can apologize and reel her back right. in. Right. But instead, she's like, okay, it's my yeah. turn now, right? Yeah. 
And I thought it was so interesting too, how he's like, well, we need to get naked because you're always wondering. But whenever she does, he just zooms in on her face. Yeah. He doesn't even put her body on camera at all. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I thought that That's... was both very tasteful of like the cinematography and also mm-hmm. really telling of him. Yeah. yeah. I um, felt like that really, I feel like, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more about like parts of like the real, like who he is really. And I feel like that was the first moment in this film or this, this the second one that ties into or reminds me of what we learned about him in the first one about who he might really be. And when, as soon as you zoomed in on her face, I'm like, that's the real Joseph. Mm. Like zooming up on the eyes. Yeah, he he also seems to be more interested in getting a reaction than mm-hmm. in killing her, because he tries to scare her a bunch of times, and she's like, "Come on!" Yeah, <laughs> he like jumps out mm-hmm. of the corner a bunch of times, and then whenever she's like, "Cool, I'm gonna go shower," I was like, "She is not gonna shower in his house," but instead, she uses up all that scotch tape, that scary face. I laughed my ass off. That was so funny. Mm-hmm. And it he it knocks him to the ground. Yeah, he freaks <laughs> he all the way a out. a bunch of times. Well, you know, it reminded me of, I, I, I won't name names here because that's probably not flattering to compare a human being to an avowed serial killer. But it reminds me of watching this conversation try to play out over all this time. I was like, man, this reminds me of somebody I know who's, interactions with other humans are so deliberate and so crafted. They're like a human from the outside in instead of the inside out. Yeah. Mm, That's interesting. They're trying to like build their personality in real time by interacting with you. Mm -hmm. So conversations with them are just exhausting because practically every word is some form of, of manipulation. Like, it's it's so they're so deeply invested. Wait, now in your, we have to know who you're talking about. It's in the outline. Okay. Oh. Also, yeah, Coppola, one hundred percent. So yeah, so there's this really um, intense way of like, so yeah, it becomes exhausting, and you spend a lot of the conversation trying to like explain yourself or clarify or like, it, it just it it reminded me so much of. Just trying to, like, get to know this other person in what I would consider to be a normal human way and how and why it was so draining. Like, watching that happen on camera, I was like, oh, oh, because that's not, that's not really connection. That's crafting. He's a, he's very chameleon. Yeah, he's just kind of. But not in a good, like, he's not very good at it, though, because he still has on a ponytail and sandals. (laughs) Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, and we don't need any of that. She's even but like, "Can you fix makes... my hair?" And she's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Don't undo it, okay?" Like, <laughs> but do you think that it makes him more approachable than if he was like the, his last victim when he came to his house and he was like clean shaven and yeah. clean shaven? Like, don't you think it might make him a little bit more approachable? Rachel, because like, who the hell are you approaching? Are you approaching well, dudes with ponytails and chacos? Well, the point I'm trying to make is that I think <laughs> just that... glided right past that. <laughs> Listen, y'all already know I'm fucking weird, so I don't even need to respond. <laughs> but my argument is that I think Joseph has done a lot of research on this girl, and he has known about encounters from the jump before he even reached out to her. So I think this is part of dressing up for the part of looking like one of these characters that she's kind of used to of being like, okay, he's kind of weird and kind of grimy. Like Mm -hmm. I can connect with him and see what makes him tick. I still feel like he stands out real hard against the other like innocuous weirdos. Yeah. The lack of engagement in the eyes when he smiles is pretty critical. The dead eyes. Yeah. But that's just Mark Duplass. He just has dead eyes, too. He's, no, he's <laughs> capable of smiling with his eyes engaged. <laughs> I've seen it. He does it. Just not as much in this movie. And there are moments mm-hmm. that it happens in this movie, like the moment when they're playing pool and she says, well, you weren't going to, like, what does she ask him? And he's so surprised and he gets excited when about she's, when Wasn't it when she's like, he's like, I'm not going to kill you. And she's like, well, you said in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And then he... Yeah. Is, he says something it? about, why would you bring that up? It just gets you in trouble. But there was mm-hmm. something else, and he was so shocked that she 
oh the blender when she mentions the blender yes, and he gets yeah. so excited he's like oh my god such imagination I'm, and it looks like a very sincere like that was kind of fun like i'm excited you brought that up yes and that is one of my favorite parts of this movie and anything with this character in creep one and two is that you get just like you said these glimpses of some genuine part of him that does shine through just like that moment where he was like oh my god a blender i never thought of that okay Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's just it's that kind of narcissism i guess right that that like everything i do is about everything i do and say is about me also everything you do and say is somehow about me (laughs) and Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so it makes it difficult to surprise that person because they're already remapping everything in their head, everything they've ever said or done, everything you've ever said or done. They're just kind of remapping into a another, you know, sentence in the story of their life. So if you can break that narrative for a second and actually bust through, then you get a reaction right. like that charming one. It was so cute, except for the, you know. Murdering. The fact that he's, yeah. That he's, he's excited murder. about the idea of murdering someone with a blender, sure. <laughs> but to this point, there are certain missions for each character in this. Joseph, obviously, he's a murderer. That's kind of his mission. And then he has this character that he calls Aaron, who has this mission of this last film, Coppola. And then there's Sarah. So I really wanted to kind of talk about their separate missions and were they achieved or not by the end starting with Aaron's last Joseph well the implication seems to be so in the first movie right one of the big twists in the final moments is realizing that all this footage has actually been put together by Joseph mm-hmm. and in this movie you still get that kind of twist right like that footage wasn't all put together by sarah for this final episode she lost all that footage because she abandoned the camera after she smashed him in the head with a shovel though at least yeah (laughs) but then he finds her and starts whistling yes also i just want to go on record and say her hair natural so good her hair hair like stretched out and purple so bad you didn't like the purple? No. I like the color. Not at all. No. Oh, I, I still like liked it, but I do like her natural curls. Mm-hmm. If you want to do purple hair, it needs to be like the daughter on hashtag black AF. It's like a lavender. It's beautiful. I still haven't but, watched it. I'm going to. Well, it's, it's on fun. my list. I just it's haven't. a fun one. You know, we love Rashida Jones. So um, We do. Have you seen all the Twitter blowback about like how she's not black enough to be on the show, even though she is playing... A mixed woman based on a mixed woman. Are you serious? And she is a mixed woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh um. <laughs> my. favorite is when people go on Twitter and they're like, she always plays white characters. I'm like, no, she doesn't. You just decided they were. Yeah. Because <laughs> they'll be like, Ann Perkins was white. And I'm like, no, she isn't. It comes up a fair amount. I know it makes you uncomfortable, but your beautiful ethnic <laughs> blend. <laughs> yeah, your, your ambiguous ethnic blend. <laughs> embodies the spirit of the American melting plot. <laughs> yep. And Anne's like, okay, yeah. Yeah, so like, no, you you probably you may have decided certain characters were for yourself, but that's not how that works. Nice try, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch it. I've just been. Oh, I know. Busy, I was just saying, as far with, as purple hair goes, I've been busy with. Uh oh, nope, nothing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually, I'm working again. So. It's okay. I've been working a lot, but I also feel like whenever I'm not working, I just will stare into the middle distance. I'll be trying to read or watch something and just, I don't know, it feels like time is still because there's no change. Yeah, yeah. We've started working from home. Like They they sent us all these trainings and things to do to kind of keep us busy. And one of them was so open-ended. It was just like, make an infographic about what you've learned. And I was like, wait, there was no learning component to this training. (laughs) (laughs) When I had talked to my boss, she was like, no, no, just about like the topic, like whatever you want, like whatever is helpful to you, whatever kind of helps you retain some new information or kind of clarify some information you already had. I was like, so just anything I want. Did you just do like the exponential virus spread infographic? Was that you? Did you do that? (laughs) God. Um, No. Um, 
But uh, I know what I want to do now. Now I've decided. But I was like, that's you drew a so diagram of how to murder someone with a blender. Was that you? <laughs> Did you do that? Yeah, I would you throw, throw the actually, blade like a shoe. What if you threw it, but you like wrapped it, tied it around your waist, the cord around your wrist, so mm-hmm. that you could throw it and then recall it, <gasps> like a boomerang, kind of yeah, like a horizontal yo-yo. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want that. A really heavy one. <laughs> horizontal blade yo-yo. Perfect. Horizontal blade yo-yo. I'd be having a lot of inventions in lockdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, let's see here. Okay, sorry. No, I'm just trying to think, like, if Aaron Joseph, whatever his name is, achieves his (laughs) goals here, because he doesn't kill her. He does get through his midlife crisis, though, and I think that was the main goal. Yeah. And I think this movie also adheres a lot to horror movie guidelines. So I like that. Yeah, I think he, he finds inspiration again. He doesn't make one last great film. I get the impression that he's going to keep going. He doesn't die. She doesn't die. But he gets his mojo back. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that I think might help with this one is I, at some point, see them as two different entities. So the character he he plays as Aaron. So the whole Francis Ford Coppola story he pitches was that embrace your artistic decline and go into a different direction Mm -hmm. and see what you come up with but the first time he runs into trouble when he's doing the hand motions over the puddle pretending there's more water Mm -hmm. and he's just getting so frustrated he's about to have a meltdown and she goes coppola Mm -hmm. and he kept saying coppola what what are you like what are you saying like he doesn't even recognize the old story that he came up with which after like a few times of watching this kind of clicked to me that of course he's going to talk about this this guy who made these films because she's a film person like he knows like he's crafting this narrative around who she is to get her to relate to him to draw into him but the first time she says Coppola he doesn't even recognize it and so yeah. When I think of quote unquote Aaron that he's mm-hmm. playing, mm-hmm. I think that he does sort of a- achieve that goal by embracing something that he hasn't possibly done before. Because I don't think, I mean, we can't know, but it kind of seems he hasn't had someone who is as challenging as a victim right. as. Sarah, to go this far, that he pushed her this far, I don't think he's had someone who's that willing before. But in terms of Joseph, like himself, oh yeah, I think for sure by the end, we didn't get to see the end, but I think like by the end, he for sure, because when he finds her on the subway, like the whole stalking, Mm -hmm. that's when it really comes to a peak. Right. Yeah, usually it's actually people have left his home. Like, they're outside of his clutches. They think they're safe. And that's when he... Right. That's when he strikes. And I think the whole question is, well, why don't we see that? I think that's more, like, to make it more interesting for the film itself. Mm -hmm. Like, that we're watching. But I think it's kind of implied that he goes the same route that he's done before of the stalking. and Mm -hmm. Because we see in the beginning of Creep 2, he has kind of, like, this playbook. Mm Mm-hmm. That it comes into stalking and then the final blow. What's interesting, though, is I think, Rachel, you, you kind of framed it in the uh, outline as cat and mouse, which is almost inverse. It's not like he like catches and lets you go. It's like he pushes you away and then lures you back in. Like he actively freaks you out or makes you uncomfortable or scares you. Like he does as much as he can to make you leave. And what's exciting mm-hmm. for him is how far he can go and still turn it around and get you to come back. Exactly. On your exactly. own. Maybe I just um, don't have the correct understanding of cat and mouse. But no, no, no. I I, I thought about that too because I was like I I like it's like a catch release, catch release, catch release kind of, but inverted. Like I I don't I don't have a good phrase for it. I spent I really spent all day trying to think about it, and I was like I don't have a better way of putting that. I thought more of like playing with your food. Mm. Oh, that's for sure. 
that's more of like what I thought about as cat and mouse is that no I think what you were saying is more true to cat and mouse but what, what I was trying to go for was like he's playing with them so in the first film he he got Aaron really easily like he went for out. it mm-hmm. yep it did not take long he just kept trying and trying and trying with Sarah and she just would, would not crack yeah. yeah so then he didn't get and, the the thrill of luring her back in because she wasn't leaving until <laughs> it got super serious cuz and i think and i go back and forth on this if she truly was a true challenge for him or if he is just an absolute mastermind and just did a hello research on him and no I don't think so. I don't I didn't get that kind of Hannibal Lecter puppet master situation. No, I got right. he seemed sincerely uncomfortable or confused at several yeah. points. I think there were a lot of moments where had she not had a reason to be there that was so compelling he would have just given up on it. Like, ugh, well this is too frustrating. I just don't want to be bothered. And you see that kind of shift, like the scene in the hot tub is definitely a moment where he realizes like, oh, it's just a different game. Mm-hmm. And that his temperament changes a lot and his attitude changes a lot because he realizes that, okay, the, the thing I've been doing where I push, pull, push, pull, push, pull, I don't really need to do here. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can enjoy this in a different way than I usually do. The only reason I think that he is kind of like a puppet master is that all of the things that he pulls in this movie seems to play into her character, like the story that he told, trying to talk about being the misfit, being the weirdo, to because mm-hmm. tr- he knows that's the only thing she responds to. And then it all kind of builds up and it just doesn't face her. And sure, some of it he probably did, like was really desperately like actually trying to scare her the shower thing because mm-hmm. when she scared him we've all seen that when he has a visceral reaction he goes into that wolf mode oh like he does mm-hmm. that when he does the scene closer to the end of trying to do the suicide fake suicide he knows like that's something that's super real and that might trigger her to be like no i'm out but he knows a way to like you said, like the catch and mouse, like to try and pull her back. I didn't think he was actually wearing it. I don't think so. Do you think he was actually wearing the harness? Yeah, I think I think he was because I don't think he plans to actually just off himself. I think it's just a game. I think he's just... Well, he did stab himself well, that, a bunch of that, times. That's later. <laughs> but at this point, I think he's just trying to break her before it gets there. I think that's like the whole thrill for him. That's why he chose Sarah, who's a challenge, because it takes so much more to break her that I think until he breaks them he can't go through with it because he's playing with his food he needs to see how far they will go and then once they're like nope i'm out that's when he's like all right here we go i thought he was actually not wearing the harness really because she pulled him like she had to pull him down i didn't see how she wouldn't have felt that when she was trying to get him down well because she was holding him by his legs yeah but then they both go and then he fell on her yeah they both go to the ground i just thought man i don't see how he would have been wearing that and at no point with the harness or the cable have not like i don't see how they get through that whole process without those becoming apparent to her or mm-hmm. like how he would have the opportunity to get himself out of there yeah unless he is chris angel <laughs> <laughs> and then all bets are off but yeah uh, yeah i thought the harness was kind of a yeah, are we talking about other parts we suspect are, that he's lying about? Yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go. Yeah, okay. let's do it. Um, do, you, do y'all really think he's a virgin? I mean, you can go left or right on it. I think he doesn't care. Like, sex is not a... He definitely seems very asexual because it is more of a power mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. I don't know. There's just so much shrouded in mystery because he is a pathological liar. He even admits to it. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing about his virginity, I can believe either one. I can believe that at some point in his life, like, someone was like, hey, I'm here. Let's do this. And he was like, okay, I'm sure that's happened. But when you said he's never had a girlfriend. I believe that. that. 
I believe that. Yeah, I, I believe that for sure. For sure. Yeah, well, I don't think his whole thing is sustainable very long. I don't see that guy, even if he has one, I don't see it lasting. Like, mm-hmm. how do you... Right. Like, that just... Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think but he the- would want to bother with one person for all that long. And I don't see another person sticking that out without getting exhausted. Mm-hmm. But Mary, I think your response was so perfect when you said, like, I don't think he cares. Like, the whole point he brought it up, whether it's true or not, it was just part of that manipulation. For sure. That's why I was like, I think you would say anything that you thought would get her attention. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I was kind of like, you're not, even whether or not it's true, it's not, he's not trying to tell a truth. He's not trying to share. Right. It's Again, it's like making a human from the outside in. Mm -hmm. Like, the story will create... The reality, like, it's not so much whether it's a lie or a truth for him. It's, like, what is true for right now? Like, what makes sense right now? Right. What works Mm -hmm. at the moment? And if confronted, if you were to be like, oh, but I have facts to the contrary. Like, I've met someone who slept with you. Then it would be like, yeah, but that doesn't count to me because, Mm -hmm. right? Or that's, that's not what you were really asking, is it? You know it's not what you meant. What you're really asking is... Have I ever made love to someone? You know what I mean? Like that quick turnaround on it without ever even feeling like he is treading water because he wasn't that invested in the first thing he said. It's just the thing that works right now. Isn't that fascinating? I don't know if y'all know any people who are just liars, but it's like at some point the phases of realization go, how could you think I was going to believe that? How dare you? And then it's like, let me throw you some real curveballs and see if you can hit those. Or it's like, you just go with it. It's like, I know that you're not telling the truth, but I want to see how far out you'll spin. Mm-hmm. That's where Sarah is. She doesn't believe anything he's saying. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm pretty sure this guy's not a killer. Mm-hmm. Even though he's telling her he is. Right. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I think, well, it's tough with somebody who wants to deceive you to a specific to like a specific end. Like you can trip somebody yeah. up like that. Right. Somebody like Joseph, who is, you know, again, it's not about deception. If the truth got him where he needed to go, he'd just tell the truth. Right. Right. It's about, it's about the outcome and the outcome that he wants is some kind of reaction. For, like it, it's such a, it's so self-driven. This movie is such a mind fuck because, like, it's not a problem with convention. It's just that he doesn't have one, and it's fine. So, like, when I I feel like I've been more quiet than normal on this episode because I'm like, I don't know which thread to fucking follow. Yeah. It's like, I don't know know what to do with it. (laughs) He believes everything he says while he's saying it. And if he said the exact opposite thing in the next sentence, he would believe Mm. that too. I don't know. He doesn't ever get caught in a lie, does he? No, that's what I'm saying. Because his commitment to every single thing he says is complete. Yeah, and I think that's accurate up to the point where in the very beginning when she texts him saying, I'm interested in the job, and she said her name was Sarah. And he goes, oh, kind of like my favorite song, Mm -hmm. which he's already researched her. He knows Mm -hmm. her name and he's already crafted this narrative. And so any time that bar scene came up in conversation, like Sarah loves her juicy fruit. Mm -hmm. It's like he tells it in such a way that, yeah, it does seem like he believes it. Well, and those are the best lies, right? Where you are actually kind of telling the truth. And I think it's also like a little bit of fantasy, mm-hmm. like that bar story he's telling. Yeah, like the the story about his wife in the first one. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And it's like, it's a little bit of fantasy because obviously he has some kind of fascination in that story and he kind of glamorizes <laughs> it. <laughs> That's a word. But like, so this bar story where... Um, First of all, we talked about this. He's not a big man. He's like, yeah, I was big for my size. So even though I was a teenager, well, he would be they... big for fifteen, right? If he's five eleven at fifteen, right? Yeah, I feel like when we were all fifteen, like I was taller than a bunch of the dudes still. Mm-hmm. 
That's not the problem I had with the story. There are other things about that that are <laughs> plenty unbelievable. That just wasn't where I got hung up. And it made me laugh when I saw it in the outline. Because I remember the last time that we got into this and we were like, no, he's not. And I was like, no, he's big. And we had to like look it up and double check. <laughs> yeah. But then even when he's telling that story about when he meets the trucker who he sees him. And his first thing that he says is, oh, this is going to be a good day. It's like, if you are... If that trucker guy is a killer, why would he see this guy who looks like a big man, like a like a big boy? Why would he think that's a good idea when they stereotypically go after the more vulnerable, like small people, like mostly women? You know what? If that's what this trucker is into, I don't think we should shame him for his mm-hmm. murdering preferences. <laughs> like, you know, I think that that's just mm-hmm. who he is. He didn't pick that. That's just right. what society... Um, I'm just kidding. I don't... Like, that's terrifying. But in that story, so when he's like... He's seeing himself in the story and he's talking about it because he sees it in such a beautiful light that he wishes it was like his actual life. When he lays naked with his victims to take part of them, like the part with the beard, that's bullshit. You know he don't do that. Yeah, because we saw him abandon Aaron's body in the park. Yeah! He put the an axe in him like a couple times and then he ran he ran fast he was out of there bye and he left sarah in the grave that's why she got back at him yeah Mm -hmm. yeah he's so full of shit that man he is so full of shit yup 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 is there any other part in the story that you thought were either obvious lies or that you suspect were lies. Oh my gosh. That he was turning 40. Oh, that's interesting. Like, I don't know if he was younger or older. I just felt like... Like, he, it was about to be his 40th kill. Mm-hmm. So... What, did it just line up like that? I don't know. I just... No, I think you're, you're right. His number of victims was definitely yeah. questionable because... Well, he said 39. And he was about yeah. to turn 40. So why would you have, like, one person a year? Like, you know, like, that doesn't make sense well, to I me. Think like, that was some, one of those things that struck me as not being factual, but being true for him. Mm-hmm. The, the year of birth is not the thing that's, that's got him spiraling. Right. It's mm-hmm. this, this, this number is the one that's messing him up. Like, it's not This is age, the midlife. That's just... Right, yeah. So, like, he's not factually turning 40, but he is having the reaction to this point in his killing career that most people have to their 40th birthday. Yeah. Okay. That like makes sense. As true as it's ever going to be for him. <laughs> and also in the very beginning, hit that victim, Dave, he says to Dave, ever since I turned 40. Right. And then when he talks to Sarah, he says he's about, about to, to turn 40. 40. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just, it, I think it would just be almost impossible to pin down anything factual about him, except that maybe that sister's, she seems real. Um, because yeah, again, like she warns him, none of it has to be factual. It just has to be true for him while he's saying it. That's true. Um, sorry, go ahead, Rachel. No, the only other thing that I've that whole issue about being forty amongst a number of things that after I've seen this movie now five times, and it wasn't until the very last time that I noticed that when he's there with Dave. He's wearing a wedding ring. I didn't notice that until like five times watching this movie. So it always makes me think about his variation in his style of going after his victims. So as we saw in Creep 1 with the real Aaron, um, and then contrast that with Dave for the first couple minutes of the second movie, he is like the friend who has no idea about what Dave is experiencing, except what Dave has told him. And he goes, oh, that's happening again. Dave, this is your house. And so I thought that it was interesting to see that he does have different playbooks, a kind of standard sort of thread that he has different variations on. He was super businesslike in that interaction with Dave. So I got a kick out of that, that he's like, let's call the police and makes Dave say no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, so he knows the police aren't coming, right? 
like he he had like a little checklist of stuff to make sure that like <laughs> exactly. nobody was yeah. gonna check up on him, nobody was watching the house, he was free and clear to do his thing. Um it was it was clever. I was like, this is he knocked him up and set him down, but it was much more business like. So when he says, like, oh, I'm just bored with this, I was like, that makes sense to me. Like you seem a little less engaged, mm-hmm. you know, these days. I'm worried about you, bud. And there, again, there are like certain moments where I felt like, oh, this is the real Joseph. Yeah. And so when. Again, if he's crafting his whole narrative from the outside in, what if this is the larger story? What if this is the arc? This is the arc that justifies the act that justifies Sarah, that justifies the next thing. What What if he's not bored at all? He just likes the idea of like, that's the springboard into the next character and the next hunt. Ugh, I don't like that thought. Right. I know he rewatches his stuff. Like, it kind of makes sense that he would make a story for himself to watch. Gross. Yeah. He is pretty dramatic about his boredom. Also, Mary Kay, let's um, dial back really, really fast. You said um, this is like american psycho without the money but at the <laughs> yeah. same time where is he getting the money did you see the house in this this one yeah like i'm sure um, he's just like renting it right i know that there are like rentals there's like bunk beds yeah and, like several bedrooms i, I know they're rentals but i was kind of wondering like if is he some kind of like trust fund kid because he's bored mm-hmm. but he doesn't seem to put a whole lot of weight on having money or not mm-hmm. yeah and he offers repeatedly to he does it to Aaron too right to set tells them like mm-hmm. they can take the money and go yeah like there's mm-hmm. money in an envelope for them to walk away with he has to be able to pay for the house he has to be able to pay for all the accoutrement his various personas mm-hmm. and somehow he stays alive in between kills even if he's right. killed 40 right. people and he's 40 like even if that's two a year that's that's a lot of Time to have to just function in between. Mm-hmm. Right. And to go undetected. What... Like, he must have some kind of... Either he's completely off the map, or he's got a really good cover. That's why, like, when he was telling Sarah a little bit of it about his backstory, not just because of that reason, but it just made sense to me. About, like, being his first mental break at a young age, and then he was institutionalized, and then he was being, like, properly medicated. Like, some of that, like, I was like, okay, I think that, I think he is pulling some truth Mm -hmm. into that. And to the fact that, like, you know, he said, and then I was separated from my family, and then, like, that weird conversation that the real Aaron had with his sister, I mean, it seems like he has some real support outside of himself. Yeah. I don't know. Mark Duplass, call us and explain it. Tell us when you're lying and when you're not. Also, he has always said, Mark himself has always said that there is going to be a Creep 3. Mm-hmm. And he's always been like pretty tight-lipped about it. But guys, what if? It's like the background. He said that, that, that he could see some value to doing a prequel and that that could be what Creep 3 is, but he's not, he hasn't confirmed oh, that, just that he oh had, just thought that could be interesting. Oh, Lord. Oh, God, I hope that's what it is. I, I would be in for it. I'd be down I for just, it. I just love these movies with him, just to the point of it just being weird. I'm sorry. Well, um, do we have anything else we want to touch on before we... Before we wrap this this shindig up, Mm-mm, not Sounds for me. Good. All right, we hit everything well, I want to talk about. Okay, I love it because you know I'm a I'm a weirdo. But so for the closure okay. for today, I wanted to like in the same way that Joseph has met his match in Sarah, mm-hmm. give us another villain mm-hmm. and who you think their match would be. Okay. And either parties can, again, can be fictional or not. So, like, as an example, like, classic example, Alien versus Predator mm-hmm. or my ex-boyfriend in a mirror. Would that be his match? I don't understand. I don't know him. He was in an older episode, but basically, like, he like cheated because, uh, like, he can't face himself and he's just, like, his own worst enemy. But anyway. Okay. I, I was anyway. like, is he a vampire? Is that <laughs> <why?"> <laughs> Valid. Valid. 
Oh, I got I think, it. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, you know from Pan's Labyrinth, the guy with the eyes in his hands? Mm-hmm. Yeah. His, uh, his match is Dwight when he's trying to cut off Nellie's hand. <laughs> that's oh a God. stupid one, but that's the only one I could think of. Wait, 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 wait. You know that he's in What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show, right? Who? Rain Wilson? No. No, I said. She said. It, she said. Rain Wilson. No, Who? Doug Jones. Nah. Yes. Oh damn. Yes, and he is awesome. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, he's always awesome. He's amazing. He's the best. What were we you gonna say? Was I gonna say? Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think of a good. Villain. I was thinking it'd be really funny if actually you were mentioning Christian from Midsummer. If he um, dated, uh, um, oh my god, Mona Lisa, Sapper's yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't like out douchebag her. Like, every time he tried to be a douchebag, she would just like want him to be worse. I will set a fire in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and like, if he tried to deflect blame, like he couldn't possibly deflect ba- blame more emphatically than she does. Like, anything he could douche, she could douche better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the parody of the Annie Get Your Gun song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Rachel! Well. Want me to write the whole so... thing? Just hit us up on our social media. Yes. Let me know on Instagram or Twitter, and I will I write do. and perform on my ukulele a parody Called anything oh my god, can don't douche, let us down, listeners. Better. Don't tease us. Do not tease us if this isn't going to happen. I will do it, but only if someone asks me to on Twitter. If y'all don't do it, I will set a fire in the If y'all don't ask her bathroom. on Twitter, I'm going to burn my own apartment to the ground. No, but you should, definitely, you. <laughs> you should definitely hit her up on Twitter and say, we that'll, need this. Because we need this. When you don't have a house in (laughs) April in Boston. I will be homeless because you guys didn't ask Mary to do this. I hope y'all are happy. (laughs) 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 Um, What about you? The one that I had was um, I I thought it would be funny and then realized logically it wouldn't make sense if it was like the Phantom of the Opera. And do you remember, do you guys remember Eileen, I don't know how to say her last name, Warnos? Yeah. Eileen Warnos? Yeah. Yeah. But then I thought, well, that wouldn't really make much sense. It would be funny. So then I changed it to Jack the Ripper. Okay. And Eileen Warnos. Yeah. That's a great, that would, that would definitely be, that like lines up. That's a equally yoked partnership right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good call. That was a great now question. Now I want to know who the Phantom of the Opera's nemesis would be. Mm. No, never mind. She was an enabler. I was going to say it? the one who put him there in the first place, the the lady, I forget um, her name. But yeah, she was an enabler, though. Was it, yeah. uh, could it not be Patrick Bateman? Oh, but he's not going to try and lure him. That's the thing. But they would have to, like, almost, like, cancel each other out, right? Right. Right. Yeah. It's like whenever no, you're in a no, classroom yeah. and you got a couple of duds, you put them together just so they don't bring anybody else down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the opposite of this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and up next. Up, up next, next. We're going to watch... What I can only imagine is my own personal hell. The Strangers, directed and written by Brian Bertino. I have not seen this. I haven't seen this. You guys haven't seen it? I'm pretty scared because just the fucking movie poster alone made me gasp when I saw it. So there's that. Can I tell you a quick aside? Maybe. Mm -hmm. My brother saw this when it came out. Mm Mm-hmm. I was still in high school Mm -hmm. and 
it was late at night because I was working Papa John's till late at night. I came home. It was like 11 something. I'm doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. It becomes 12 at midnight. My brother calls me and he goes, are you home? I'm like, yeah, I'm home. He goes, okay, we'll come out to the garage. And I'm already like, what? And I go out <laughs> into the garage and he pulls in. My brother is a big boy. He's tall and like <laughs> he's a substantial, large. He's a substantial yeah. gentleman. And he brings in his tiny little Mazda Miata when he sees Miata. me and closes the garage and walks in. He goes, I just saw this movie and I was just freaked out. I just needed to make <laughs> sure that you were home and you could let me in and everything was okay. Like he was that scared. Nice. Well, fuck. All right. My brother is a big man. He is a Marine and he gets scared by movies like this. Fuck. So okay. Let's we'll talk to you about that it. next time. <laughs> Till next time. Okay. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Love you guys. Bye.